guys and welcome back to the Apex Delta Coaching Podcast. My name is Kieran Moore and I'm the head coach and owner of Apex Delta Coaching. On this show, my aim is to help educate, inform and drive you to get stronger, fitter and more resilient as an athlete and human. I'll discuss different topics in strength, fitness, mindset and more as well as talking with guests on their area of expertise. Today I was joined by Charlie Allen. Charlie is a personal trainer and has been coaching for the last 10 years, first for his own love of training and then now into the people he works with today. We discuss what it means to train with intent, how we can set clear intentions to reach our goals, and finally, we look at how Charlie approaches coaching and training. With that, let's get into today's show. All right, so yeah, I'm, I'm here with uh, Charlie. Uh, going to be a great chat today we're going to talk around sort of intent goal setting um and all that kind of encompasses that around training but what we're going to start off with first is just if you can give us a brief intro of yourself like how you got into coaching what kind of that journey looks like maybe some of like the things that have inspired you and then talking a little bit obviously about what you what you do now yeah absolutely mate so um i'm a personal trainer based in um southwest london in wimbledon so i've got a small space at the moment um i've been coaching for 10 years um, first got into coaching when uh, just before I went to university um, and it all really just started with my own training so started training when I was 14 fell in love with it um, I was playing rugby at the time um, and then just sort of found a passion for helping other people you know giving them advice in the gym um, and yeah sort of over my 10-year career I've sort of had the privilege to work with you know athletes and then just people from all walks of life so yeah just a, a really broad um, or, or general overview of, I guess, what I do and, yeah, sort of where I'm based. Where did you go to uni? Went to uni at um, St Mary's, so same oh, university. I thought I'd seen, yeah, yourself, I thought I'd yeah. seen that we were kind of fellow simmies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, so I think that's a really, I, I, say, I say this to a lot of the people I've talked to so far, but I think it's interesting to hear people's stories because, yeah, this is something we kind of we've briefly talked about before as well is the idea that everybody's got a different perspective like a lot of the time we might be saying similar things but like we've all got a unique perspective and a unique set of like experiences that have kind of shaped where we're at so yeah, yeah the kind of the, the 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 journey into coaching fitness whatever you want to call that space like the journey looks on the on a kind of a broader level pretty similar for most people it kind of tends to be a case of like i know especially for snc coaches it's like oh, i wanted to be a professional athlete realized i wasn't good enough so i decided that coaching was a good good alternative or it's a case yeah. of like oh fitness has shaped my life and i want to help other people do the same um so but then on a deeper level to that or like an individual level like the actual building blocks that have made that up and the experiences that have led to that are always unique i think and interesting to interesting to hear yeah absolutely mate i mean like the i think we spoke about it last time but the the internet wasn't so crowded there wasn't so much noise uh sort of like way back when i first started um training myself so uh, i managed to sort of stumble upon resources from you know like charles poliquin joe defranco was big at that time and they're all you know great resources you know you had elite fts uh, some really good writers like Eric Cressy on T Nation. And so information was just, you know, good information was, I think, a bit more available. Um, although, you know, there is more, more or, or the, the availability to information is um, maybe a 
bit easier to come by now. It's, it's quite difficult to sort of separate the wheat from the chaff. It's a bit of an information overload, isn't it? I saw something really good yeah, the other yeah. day um, from a kind of a friend and fellow coach that said information, interpretation, implementation, and that kind of process. Yeah, yeah. And what tends to happen is most people get stuck at the information stage. They're just taking on more and more information and they never get to the stage of maybe interpreting it. So it's kind of like what, why, and how, if you like. So yeah. it's kind of people get into the what and get really fixated on the what. Mm-hmm. Maybe start to go into the why and kind of interpreting that and thinking like, actually, how does this, how is this relevant? How does this apply? But then very mm-hmm. few people make it to that kind of final implementation or how stage, do they? Like in terms of like taking, taking all that yeah, information yeah. and actually being able to Mate. apply it to, to practice and apply it to clients, athletes, whatever. Yeah. And that's like, that's perfect because obviously we're talking about training with intent and that's exactly what doing anything with intent means, you know, to do anything with intent, you have to know, you know, why you're doing it in the first place. And so if we sort of like bring that back to training in order to train with intent, you sort of like, you need to, you need to define exactly what you intend to achieve. And then you need a plan which aligns with that intended outcome. Uh, So for me, I I think it all really starts if we're sort of like talking about um, training with intent, it all starts with setting more accurate goals. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. I like to think of it as like to play the game, you need to know the rules. So at a base level, you need to understand like what, what works, what, what, what you can do. Then you need to understand kind of like, okay, why is that the case? But Mm -hmm. the real art, if you like, in terms of training, coaching, whatever, in terms of making progress is like, actually applying that and training with intent is a huge aspect of that like having intention behind what you do in terms of knowing where you're at knowing where you want to go knowing the process that that gets you from a to b is is by by and far like the the most important aspect i think in a lot of people's training and if if more people could train with intent i feel like Mm -hmm. they yeah they they kind of be a long a lot a lot of the kind of way there towards reaching their goals where they might have not been able to achieve those for three four five years of kind of yeah, yeah. these kind of these things well like you said like you've got the logistical side of intent which is like the nuances of programming so like the exercises that you include you know volumes and intensities how you progress the program moving forward and then you've got like the psychological side of intent it's like how you approach training it's the sort of intensity that you bring or the, the focus doesn't doesn't necessarily mean intensity because you could just be you could just be deliberate practice that's not necessarily you know training with a bunch of intensity but you're training with like with focus and an understanding of what you're meant to be you know what you're what you're trying to achieve yeah so i think yeah you've got the mental side of it as well obviously we understand it as a concept but potentially there's some people listening to this that don't but what, what does it mean to train with intent that's probably a good place to start this conversation what is intent In, intent is just purpose it's, it's knowing what the intended outcome is and then training um in a way that aligns with that purpose um i think the the pro like having a plan that makes sense um that has to come before you can sort of be bought into the program so it's really difficult to buy into something if you don't understand like the the nuances of the program. If you don't understand why you're doing something, it's really difficult to then motivate yourself to to actually go and apply it. Um, so yeah, I think training with intent is really just training with purpose. You know, there's got to be uh, a clearly defined goal, 
and then a plan to back that up. And so if you're working with an athlete, um, I think the goal setting process is a bit easier because their goal is always going to be to outperform and outlast their competition. Um, but then to break that down even further, you have to do a needs analysis of the, the athlete's sport. So you sort of like look at the physical attributes and the facets of fitness that they need to excel in that sport. Um, so let's say you had uh, a prop forward in rugby who wanted to get stronger to dominate the scrum. Well, now we've got a much clearer picture on what that, that player's you know, training should look like. Um, so we just like do an analysis of, you know, what, what, what's involved in scrummaging. We know that they're, they're probably going to need a really strong, stable neck. We know that they're going to need a lot of, um, a lot of muscle mass. We know that they're going to need to make, like, be able to maintain a low center of gravity. They're going to have to generate a lot of force, um, quickly from a static position. Um, so, you, you know, we've got sort of a, a battery of, um, you know, physical attributes we've got to sort of like work off of um, just by doing an analysis, like breaking down what they need for their sport. And then after that, you need to do an assessment of the, of the athlete to see sort of what their strengths and weaknesses are. Um, and then which that's ultimately, ultimately going to determine um, sort of which facets of fitness and which um, aspects of their game we need to bias in their training program. So yeah. I guess like goal setting first and then an assessment to see sort of like where your limitations are, which is ultimately going to sort of determine the, the nuances of the program. Because I think when we think athletes, we we tend to to and as S and C coaches, like it's very objective. We're we're kind of very numbers focused, very kind of metric focused in terms of like here's what we need to achieve, here's what we need <coughs> athletes to be at in terms of strength, speed, whatever those characteristics might be, and like we know pretty much like what they need to be in order for success to happen like and so having that very objective goal it makes it yeah it makes the process a lot simpler in that sense doesn't it of setting like yeah, cool yeah. here's where we need to be right here's where you're at currently here's where you're strong here's where you're weak and we can see very clearly the levels that do and don't align or match up and it's like cool then yeah, yeah. we can set a program from this like how in your work with kind of more like some of the more general population people as a sort of a pt like where do you feel that differs yeah, so their, their goals tend to, tend to be a little bit more general. They're quite, sometimes quite difficult to define. Um, but I would actually go through the same process as I would with an athlete. So I, I would use the same approach, but I would just replace the word sport with life. So um, look at the physical demands of that individual's life and then, and, and then assess sort of where their weaknesses lie and where we can improve. Because um, I think everyone can benefit from, you know, moving really really well through you know different planes ranges and patterns of movement you know everyone can benefit from that everyone can benefit from understanding how to align their posture so that their you know head ribcage and pelvis is stacked nicely over the top of each other um everyone can benefit probably from losing a bit of body fat and, and gaining a bit of muscle so everyone can benefit from those goals obviously it's like some people might have um slightly more specific goals but i would class those as secondary goals um if they haven't already built like a a, a solid foundation um so i don't know you might have a lot like of outcome there. versus process goals isn't it so like the outcome yeah, goal yeah. for a general population person is probably going to be one of a few things isn't it it's kind of like build a little bit mus more muscle feel better lose some mm -hmm. weight 
something along those lines tends to be kind of the 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 outcome goal if you like um yeah. or it might just be kind of like oh i want to be able to be fitter when i'm 80 or something like that so it's kind of more of a holistic big picture outcome but then mm-hmm. within that obviously the process goals are kind of that's where it's like oh i want to be able to lose maybe x amount of weight by this time or i want to lift this much weight by yeah whatever. and, and i think that sorry go ahead yeah no i think that's um our responsibility as a coach um because they might know that they want to get stronger but they don't know what that looks like in a you know in a gym setting um so if you look at like they, they might that's why i think we need to come back to their why as well you know why do you want to get stronger you know is it so that you know when you're um i don't know let's say like you know when you're older but you're a grandparent to be able to pick your you know your 16 year old toddler off the floor you know what i mean you know what i mean like to, to like, you know pick your grandkid off the floor in which case something like a goblet squat is going to be you know appropriate for that client that's the movement that we're going to use to sort of build strength and so i think it's you know getting back to their like if you take it back to their why that will help us build a program and choose exercises and protocols that align with that slightly more specific goal yeah certainly and yeah and that's where you as coaches it's our it's our job to do that isn't it it's our job to say like yeah, oh, yeah. this is where you want to go and that's why you hire someone that's why you hire a professional be it a, a business coach be it a a kind of a fitness coach a pt an snc coach whatever that might be someone who is there in a, in a role of coaching and guidance for you that's why you've sought them out because they're a professional they understand that that process um yeah yeah and that's that yeah you hire them for that reason in with the expectation obviously that like here i I want this and you're going to lay out the process to get me there like it's not our job as coaches to tell someone what their goals are in terms of like the bigger picture it's like if an athlete comes to us and says i want to get better at this it's not our job to tell them like yes or no that's not a good or bad goal it's our job to say right cool you want to achieve this here's how we're going to do it and that might include the more kind of process driven goals of like more clearly objective definable things like outcomes that we want to achieve along the the process of getting to that that larger that larger goal yeah i think in the early stages the coach often knows what's better for the client than they do 100 percent. obviously they're looking yeah they've got a very limited perspective um and so you can kind of maybe see it you know see what they want to achieve with a, a much broader perspective and obviously all of like the coaching experience you've got behind you. So, um, yeah, I think sometimes you know what's best for the client, but then the aim is ultimately to teach the client um, about the, the about the process and about sort of like what they need to do to get to, you know, their their, their objectives, what, what they need to do to meet their goals um, so that they don't necessarily need you there to hold their hand. Um, I mean, that's been a, a bit of a revelation for me during this entire you know, pandemic period, because I, I, you know, when I was working with people one-to-one, you underestimate how many sort of little micro adjustments you make, like how much you'll micromanage in the session and sort of holding their hand through the process. And so by coaching people online, about to have sort of hand over, um, hand that, that hand that responsibility over to them. And they're about to take a bit more ownership of, um, of the process, which has been great because now they're, they're more informed. Um, and they're able to make better decisions. You know, they're they're a bit more bought in because they understand the process a bit better. 
it's interesting isn't it because that touches on a topic that i've kind of explored thought about quite a lot over sort of last three or four years in terms of mm-hmm. like as coaches our job is to actually make people more autonomous which i think the online world actually helps in that respect because as you say it, it almost drives that by virtue of how how online coaching works mm-hmm. like we want to create people that are autonomous and self-reliant to an extent and don't need yeah. that external motivation don't need that external stimulus that kind of like that real handheld like hand-holding kind of guidance like micro adjustment as you said like micromanaging um in order to achieve their goal like the, the ultimate outcome for us as coaches with our clients is to get to a point where they don't need us anymore like mm-hmm. that's not that's not an obviously it's not a particularly effective business model but it is because we want to yeah, yeah. actually create enough success for our clients over three five years that they no longer actually need us and maybe it's a case of then they're in a position that they can carry on and they know what they need to be doing to get where they want to go or maybe it's a case if they seek someone else out that that might be a good next step for them, if you like. Like I think yeah, absolutely. but as coaches, yeah, that's our job, isn't it? Is to get athletes to, or clients to a point where they now understand what they need to do, understand like how to get there, and then can actually actually execute that themselves. Um yeah, without with needing that kind of yeah, with intent, without needing that kind of that micromanagement. Like, what, yeah. So in terms of like how how you approach this like what are the kind of defined steps you'd go through in ser- in setting out clear intentions clear goals with someone yeah so obviously we've got like the goal setting process so i always ask people to start with their long term goals and work back from there so start fairly general uh, with your long term goal long term goal and then try to break that down into um, more specific shorter term goals, which will correspond towards that that long term goal. So, again, long term goal might be you know to to get stronger and, and to be more resilient, you know, less prone to injury. For someone that might look like being able to eventually being able to squat two times their body weight or to perform twelve chin ups, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so that'll be their long term goal, and then their short term goal is like okay, what do we need to do to achieve that, that more specific task? So if we break down their squat, let's say they haven't even got to the point where they can do a back squat yet. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're still stuck on a goblet squat. You know, can they, do they understand how to brace properly? You know, do they understand how to like, you know, screw their feet into the floor? You know, do they understand how to, you know, perform a squat at its most basic level and then, and then, then that will sort of determine how we how we sort of manipulate that program over time to get towards that long term goal. Um, so yes, yeah, like pattern before progression. So you you, yeah, you have yeah. to establish a basic pattern in terms of like movement, be it a squat, be it a hinge, be it whatever, before you start progressing that. But mm-hmm. always always with the intention that it goes beyond just pattern. So it's not a case of like, we're just going to work yeah. on our squat and we're always going to work on our squat. It's a case of like, we want to work on this to a point where we can start to progress it and overload it. Yeah, yeah. Um, another, so again, that, that's, I guess that brings us to a um, like difference between practice, training and testing. Yeah. Um, I think too many people go into the gym to just test what they can do. Absolutely. Um, without you know first practicing making sure that they've got that that movement down to you know 
a level of proficiency where they can apply an appreciable amount of you know load and intensity to it and, and still be able to do it well so first like the first part of the process is practice um you know become more efficient and then um and then you and then you can actually sort of start to increase the load increase the intensity and train it um and then yeah and then occasionally you may test your you know your limitations to see you know if you can beat your previous uh, previous performance but far too many people just go into the gym to test um or mindlessly exercise i think exercising is far different from you know practicing or, or training as well i mean if you're just going into the gym to move around and get a bit sweaty um with no clear intention you're just exercising you know like you just you may as well just go for a walk yeah, um, I think at that point yeah there's probably more enjoyable things and there's probably things that are actually going to get you more results than, yeah. than kind of mindlessly going into a gym and just doing exercise for the sake of it and it's not to say that things like exercise classes like and i use like les mills as a good example i think that's pretty common in a lot of gyms like those kind of like body pump classes um it's not to say they're bad i think that they have a place and there's certainly benefits to them but at a certain point like the, the the amount of people i've seen that have been doing that exact same three to five classes for years and have made minimal to no progress beyond initial yeah. steps like and it's just there's no intention there is there there's no intention behind like i'm doing this to progress and i think there's there's maybe nothing wrong with that maybe that's kind of like a more of a deeper kind of philosophical point in terms of like why are you doing this but yeah, yeah. like certainly for myself certainly for the people i work with and the kind of people i want to work with it's kind of it, it, it's having a more intention-based focus behind what we're doing in terms of like we actually have an end goal we have something we're actually aiming for at the end of this not just a case of i'm doing this because i feel i have to i'm doing this because it's just what people do like mm -hmm. having a clear intention laid out and having mm -hmm. a plan that we can put in place to execute to get towards that that outcome yeah not only that but like if you don't train with intent not only is it ineffective but sometimes dangerous you might yeah, do something yeah. that you've got no business doing you know like but particularly now because people have you know been stuck at home for so long and they've, they've you know they're out of shape they're not as strong as they was and so they go to a random fitness class to do random exercise and if there's an exercise in there that you know then they've got no business doing they just don't have the you know the foundations to be able to do it well they could injure themselves and you could, you've seen like i mean i've i've spoken to sort of physios that are friends of mine and they all said that you know injuries are going through the roof during lockdown because people are you know just randomly jumping onto online fitness classes and injuring themselves because they're jumping around the living room you know, when yeah. they don't know how to, know how to land, let alone jump. Same thing with running. Like, so many yeah. people have taken up running and just got into it with good, um, good kind of like ideas, good sort of purpose or, or motivation to do it. But without that clear intention of like, why am I doing this and how am I going to do it? More importantly, so it's like that application, that in, like implementation again, isn't it? So it's like, yeah, you go well, into they, they it kind of they, an they idea. Didn't they? Like they skipped. The, they skipped the step of assessing where they're weak. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they, they 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 didn't assess their limitations. You know, I mean, I think a lot of people overestimate how how capable they are. I mean, I'm I'm terrible at running. 
the amount of people that come in and get shin splints and i just want to i just want to kind of say like what did you expect like you went into it kind of full guns blazing for a four six week period having gone from very little or no running maybe for a while or maybe at all maybe you've never had experience doing that you've jumped into it and then you've got shin splints i'm like well what did you expect i mean i've got a reasonably high training age i've done quite a lot of running never sort of entirely structured but i've done a lot of running through rugby through whatever else through my life and even when i started to get into running on a more kind of like serious structured basis i started at the very very low level like Mm -hmm. i I understood the reason of like if i jump into this too hard like i'm gonna hurt myself which on a basic level is is obvious if you try and do something too hard or too soon like you're gonna hurt yourself but yeah it's that it's that skip step isn't it it's people take like here's what i want to achieve and then and then they just go straight to just trying to achieve it without the middle process of like assessing where they're at currently and what's feasible in terms of the the starting steps of that progression again it comes back to practice you know like for for me to to go out and do a 10k run that's like somebody who hasn't lifted before walking into a gym loading up the bar with you know like 200 kilos and trying to squat it it's the same thing so you like you need to earn earn the right to progress you know like practice first and then once you've got a you know a good level of you know efficiency build a foundation um then you can you know begin to actually train that movement or whatever task it is you're trying to get good at it's interesting i listened to a podcast the other day with um so joe rogan podcast with matt fraser so matt fraser yeah, yeah. being the, the five-time consecutive winner of the crossfit games like within the sport that the the best athlete they've ever had and yeah. he's now retired and was it was interesting he was talking about that idea and he's like well I'm yeah he he's who he is he's been training for probably 20 plus years of his life in in sort of like consistent and high level fashion and he's like you're talking about um I can't remember what his name was but he's a, he's a runner basically a guy who does a lot of ultra running and he's like I have no business going and running a marathon or doing a marathon every day or whatever yeah talking about campaigns wasn't it yeah that was it and, it, and it's like, like a marathon a day or like, yeah and Matt Fraser is is by far fitter than all of us in the world near enough probably yeah, yeah. On, a, on a certain level but yeah it, it's that idea of like he hasn't put in the 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 process and the steps and assess where he's at in terms of that and if he tries to jump into the same program he's doing despite the fact that he is probably like a complete freak in terms of fitness mm-hmm. like it, he has no place doing that and yeah. i don't know why that is any different for the the fittest man on earth per crossfit than it would be for anyone getting into running strength training or anything like that there there should be a more intention-based process behind that in terms of right starting point here i am a here's where i want to get b and then taking it from that point rather than just like here's where i want to go and i'm just going to start (laughs) yeah like what does the process involve like firstly what sacrifices do you think you're going to need to make and which of those sacrifices are you willing and able to make i think that's that's a big one people skip over you know, like, because if, if, it, if it requires that you, you know, maybe you, you have to train, you know, or increase your training frequency, or let's say you're, a, I don't know, you're somebody who wants to improve your body composition. That means that you're going to, if you really want to get results, you're going to have to track your calories and your macros to sort of like find out how much you need to eat to, to achieve that goal. But if you're not willing to get yourself on MyFitnessPal and log your food, you're making the process so much harder. You know what I mean? And that's when people sort of will jump into something like a crash diet 
to make it easy. You know, oh, okay, I need, I know I need to be in a calorie deficit, so I'm just going to hop onto a crash diet that I know is going to put me in a calorie deficit. And then they get short term, short term goals, but they sort of they're, they're reversed pretty quickly once they you know, go back to their regular um, sort of eating habits. But it's the same with performance. You know, it's the same if you're an athlete. You know, you have to understand what sacrifices you need to make in order to get to the goal that you've, you've set you've set for yourself. Mm. Yeah, no, certainly. Right. So we've talked about kind of people who maybe are like relative beginners in this sense and how that process looks. What changes with someone who is more experienced, maybe has a higher training age, is more of an intermediate trainee, athlete, whatever you want to call it? What, what changes in that respect? Um, in some ways, it's easier because they're probably a bit clearer about their goal. So they've got a, you know, a clear intention and they're probably a bit more emotionally invested in the entire process because they've got, you know, they've, they've got a, a passion for it already. Um, however, if they haven't had a coach before, um, they may have developed some bad habits. That you then have to go and sort of undo or correct or, or just address through like in, somewhere within their program. Um, but I don't think like the goal setting process um, or even the, like the planning of the program that doesn't, doesn't differ too much aside from the fact that it's a bit more specific because the more advanced you are, the more specific your training has to be. If you've already built, you know, like a general foundation of, you know, like mobility, stability, strength, work capacity, you know, speed and power, then um, your training has to get a little bit more specific towards the task that you're trying to get better at. No, certainly. So I think, that, I think that, that makes yeah, a lot yeah. of sense, doesn't it? Because yeah. on one hand, yeah, you have someone who's probably a lot more clear on what they want to achieve and probably where they what they need to do to achieve that. Like mm -hmm. I think a lot of the guys I work with that that have a reasonable reasonable training age, like two, three years. So they're not beginners. They're maybe not intermediate, but they're certainly not beginners in the sense of training um, or athletes even that have been training for a few years in, in their respective sport and kind of more of a S&C fashion as well. Like those guys are generally pretty clear on what they want to achieve. Like they come to you and like, this is what I want to do, X, Y, Z. Like, and they really, within reason, know what, how they want to achieve that and they know what they need to be doing. It's more a case of, certainly I found as well accountability at that point which is something true of everybody like everybody needs a level of accountability be it to one person be it to whoever um but it's accountability a little bit at that point isn't it it's kind of like and I know as as a coach myself like I, I have a coach because I can program for people other people all day long and I can do that process and I really enjoy it and then when I come to programming for myself like I can't do it and I'm very bad useless yeah, at yeah. it and have yeah. no accountability there so for, even for me, like having a coach, someone that I'm accountable to in that sense, as an intermediate trainee in, in certain aspects, um, like it, that, that's, that's probably the key difference I see is that it goes from being someone who doesn't really know, maybe has a rough idea of what they want, doesn't have any idea of how or why they, they kind of maybe want that. Whereas you have an athlete who, or, or an intermediate client who like, they, they have a clear idea of what they want they probably have an idea of why and how, and it's just needing someone to kind of give them the push and keep them accountable to that, that, that yeah. is often needed. Yeah. It's just steering them in the right direction. Like you say just hold, like holding them accountable and 
I think making sure that they don't sabotage themselves. Or maybe it's usually like, taking away rather than adding, I've found as well, isn't yeah. it? It's kind of like people in that position, generally if they've been in the in the game for a while, like they don't need extra motivation. They don't need to be kind of like yeah, yeah. they don't need more. They they generally just need like they're trying to do everything usually. And it's a case yeah, of yeah. like we need to think about what's the priorities here, what can we take away and still be making progress? Because it's that idea of like yeah minimal effective like dose of something isn't it like yeah, rather yeah. than kind of like cool what's the absolute max i can do and still get away with we probably want to start at least with a little bit more of a kind of um like minimum idea with that in it in terms of like we don't want to be pushing to the absolute max from day one we probably want to find out cool what's the least amount i can do and still make progress because that just gives you so much more room to build doesn't it than than saying like cool day one week one Let's go let's go at it fully and see what what happens uh, but that 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 has a very clear end point to it doesn't it it's kind of like week yeah. two generally is when it all falls yeah. off like falls yeah. off. like so if you start with um with those kind of guys it's generally a little bit more of like yeah you say it's, it's guiding isn't it it's kind of steering yeah. them in the right direction it's probably saying like cool like here's all you want to do and maybe here's the three things out of that that are actually going to move you forward and what we're going to focus on yeah well saying that i have had experience where i've trained athletes that are very very good athletes so they're extremely good at their sport but they're complete novices in the gym mm. and so they're probably like in the gym they're they're all over the place you know i've got you know everyday clients that don't play sport yeah. that are far better in the gym you know some of like some of the you know more elite athletes that i've coached um and so they they genuinely need you know like a, a bit more help and i think that it gives them a maybe a full sense of security because they're a really good athlete on the you know in on the field of play they think that that will carry over to them being you know good in the gym you know like strong in the gym and so you have to sort of i guess relate to them that they do need to maybe build some like come like rein it in a little bit and build the foundation the idea of training aid, I think it's something I talk about a lot, but maybe people don't quite understand what it means. Like training aid is just your experience in terms of training within a, a kind of a single focus area. And you can have different training ages across different contexts. Um, it doesn't it doesn't align necessarily with your actual chronological age. So regardless of how old you are, like your training age can be different. Like someone who's been training for 10 years in football, for example, as a has a higher training age than someone who might be older in terms of like actual age, but they've only been training for four or five years, which is where we kind of like a really good book around this is a uh, bounce by I think it's Matthew Said in terms of like the, the power of practice. So you kind of see kind of a lot of these like young athletes potentially that that on the face of it is like they're child prodigies. They're like these guys who are incredibly elite level athletes and they're only like you know, 16. Because I like, actually look at it and their training age is 10 plus years already potentially they started when they were like five so they've been training with intention for so many years so at a really high level by that point but yeah so to your point i think football is a good example of this traditionally like they've been a lot of kind of like managers and coaches have been very anti snc anti sort of kind of like gym training yeah. for whatever reasons uh, and so you see a lot of footballers who yeah as you say might be incredible athletes but have a gym training age of like you know less than a year like in terms yeah. of actual structure I mean, right, which is fine because they're not trying to get better at being the best in the gym exactly 
You know, like the the sport always takes precedent over any sort of SNC work. That always comes first, like practice and sport. Um, the gym work, you know, this, the strength and condition is just there to supplement, um, you know, the process. Yeah, no, 100%. It's kind of giving them longevity, isn't it? So, like, you can have yeah, a little yeah. bit of an effect on performance, but more so we have a we have a larger effect on athletes' longevity in, in the sport. So we can kind of, we can push out the amount of time they can spend playing their sport by keeping them kind of physically healthy um, through yeah, yeah. making them stronger, fitter, faster, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's understanding, isn't it, that our job as S&C coaches is not to make people better, at better kind of like trainees in the gym. Like it's keeping mm. the goal the goal, which is kind of a phrase I, I really like. Like, it's Dan John, like goal. Sorry, is that Dan John? Keeping the goal might, the goal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but it's um, yeah, it's it's, it's saying like they want to be a better footballer, they want to be a better whatever. And even with like general population clients, I think this still applies. It's kind of like they want to lose weight, they want to be able to play with their grandkids, all those kind of things. That's the goal. And if you're chasing like gym-based metrics to like to a point of where it's like diminishing returns, like you're missing the point. You're not keeping the goal the goal as a coach. You're not sort of taking them and thinking, well, actually, this is where they want to go. And that's a that's a failure of training with intent on your part as a coach. Like the yeah. the client, the athlete might have plenty of intent in what they're doing. They might have a really clear focus on where they want to go and how they want to get there. But as a coach, you've misaligned that with what you feel is more important. So I think this is where we we need to be really careful as coaches, as, as PTs, as trainers, not to project our thoughts, opinions, like goals yeah. onto clients. That's why I really don't like labels um, too much in fitness. Like you've got different camps, don't you? You've got like the yoga camp, the powerlifting camp, um, the Pilates camp, the kettlebell club camp. Like, and they've they've all got, they're also dogmatic about their own way of training and they project that onto any client that walks through the door. Um, so rather than, you know, like, because, you know, powerlifting and, um, you know, like yoga, they aren't methods of training, they're disciplines. You know, like they're, they're, they're not methods of training. You know, like you can, you can take a little bit of each, extract principles from each and apply those in a way that's appropriate for the client. Um, so I try not to sort of like put labels on things, you know, like if, if somebody needs to improve their posture or their mobility, then we might extract, you know, some principles from yoga. Like if we're going to try to, you know, like reduce their sort of, a sympathetic tone so that we can, you know, elongate the muscles, get them into better positions. You know, we're going to do that using sort of like breathing techniques, you know, static stretches so that they can achieve those better positions. So like we've taken a principle from yoga. You know, if we're trying to get stronger, we might take some principles from powerlifting, you know, learning how to, you know, stack the ribcage and pelvis, how to brace properly, how to get tight. So we're taking principles from all of these different disciplines to create a program that's appropriate for the, for the client rather than just projecting a dogmatic opinion onto whoever it is you're working with. That exact idea is why, because I, I used to be a coach in CrossFit. That's kind of how I've come through my early coaching career was through CrossFit, like mm -hmm. doing group classes, doing sort of individual work, but all within a CrossFit setting. Um, and that's why I think I stepped away from it and, and came into kind of more of an S&C or like 
what I'm doing now in terms of coaching clients online as well. And like the, the reason being because of that very dogmatic opinion, like anybody who came to the gym, it's kind of like, regardless of maybe what your goal is, regardless of what you probably actually on a true sense need from, from the coaching we're going to give you, like the answer was always CrossFit. The answer was always kind of that model. And that's such a dogmatic, a dogmatic way of, of, of thinking about it. Like the, mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's us projecting our kind of our biases and our, our opinions onto athletes. And we all have, we all have that. We all have biases. We all have kind of like a, a view to a sense that we have like the, our, our opinion, our, our way is, is better because otherwise we probably find a better, another way, wouldn't we? Like as, as a coach, as a, as a kind of an, a, an athlete, as a trainee, we all have an opinion based on like, cool, the way I'm doing it is the best way. Because yeah. otherwise you wouldn't be doing it. You'd find something else. Well, I'd like to think at least if you didn't think the way you were doing something was was the optimal way for the situation you're in, I'd like to think that you'd you'd look for a better alternative. But I think yeah. as coaches, as as within sort of sports science as a discipline as well, and science as a whole, the the idea is always like we have a theory until something else comes along. We have a best mm-hmm. best practice until something else is proven better. And I think yeah. as coaches, we should be in that mindset of everything is a tool to achieve an outcome. My toolbox yeah. is not set and it can change when I find yeah. new things. And um, some of the guys I've talked to on this podcast, like so from Pilates, from other kind of areas that I'm not as well versed in, I don't understand as much, I don't potentially have any experience in. It's actually, if you come back to first principles, we're probably saying very similar things. So like for my application of making athletes better, making people better runners, making people stronger, whatever, there's elements of all of these different practices that I can, I can take and and apply to my setting. And it's not to say that one's better or worse. It's just, there's probably some that are more optimal for the situation I want to be in. And if we're only in one camp of thinking, if we're having that really dogmatic approach, like you're never gonna you're never gonna be exposed to other ideas. You're never gonna be exposed to ways that actually might be more beneficial than what you're currently doing. Yeah, you're limiting your perspective. Yeah, tradition oh. is the like absolute em- enemy of progress, isn't it? Because it's like you get in such a fixed mindset around we've always done it this way, so that's how we're just gonna keep doing it. Like if ain't fixed, oh, don't do like, ain't broke, yeah. don't fix it, kind of thing. And to an extent maybe there's there's elements of that i'd probably agree with in certain circumstances like we don't always need to be innovating necessarily we don't always need to be changing but if something comes along that actually that might be more beneficial than what we're currently doing Mm -hmm. adopt it take it like take something and make it your own like yeah yeah absolutely 100 percent. that's what we should be doing as coaches athletes training whatever like you say like the first principles always always stay the same they apply to everyone but how you apply those principles that can change, and it and it really does depend not just on like the the, the physical nature of of the the person that you're working with, but also maybe like their their, their psychology. And you know, I've got clients that just they they don't like they don't like barbells. They don't like doing traditional strength work. You know, they they don't like putting a barbell on their back. So we're gonna you know we're gonna split squat. We're going to get really strong at split squats, you know, like, we're, and so how you apply the, and, but you can apply the same principles of programming and progression to that exercise, but we're just not, you know, so it's, it's not just, um, like, like I said, like the physical side of things, but it's also the psychological side of things will determine, um, 
what what you include in the program. Yeah, I like what Kirsty Kirsty Watlin, so the, the lady I had on the podcast just previous, said in terms of like she doesn't view her clients as clients; she views them as people. Which yeah, yeah. to to that extent makes a lot of sense because it's like well, actually, you're viewing people as individuals. And it's not just a case of like sets and reps and an exercise. It's like, actually they have a whole, they're a person, they're a human being. They have kind of needs outside of just purely kind of the, the training sense. When we're talking about this context of health and fitness, like, and their enjoyment is a part of that and should still be factored in. I know like as coaches, we can kind of get really drawn into the, the kind of, the, the hard science side of it in terms of like PT side of it yeah 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 all of that sort of side like actual the training like exercises reps sets intensities but that doesn't none of that matters if the client doesn't actually want to do it or doesn't enjoy it does it like you say like if a client doesn't want to train with a barbell doesn't enjoy that for whatever reason like you standing there and being like well this is the only way we can do it is just never going to work is it no, like, not you've, at all, you've got to meet them where they're at which goes back to the idea of assessing them. Like mm-hmm. an assessment goes deeper than just like, cool, we're going to assess how strong you are. We're going to assess your energy system. It's it's talking to them and finding out like, cool, what do you and don't you prefer? Like, are there certain things you don't want to do? If I put them in your program, are there going to be certain bits of that you were going to say, no, not for me. And that, yeah, that yeah. comes into the assessment as well, doesn't it? It's assessing someone not just as a, as a, um, like OPEX, not a OPEX yeah. class as they are class it as like, person organism that kind of stuff and then it's like well you got you've got to look at them from a physical sense like yeah physiologically strength wise all that kind of stuff you have to assess someone but you also have to assess them as a person mm-hmm. and and kind of their preferences what they want to achieve dig into their deeper why all that kind of stuff that if you're just a if you're just kind of obsessed as a coach with sets and reps and, and exercises like you just miss all of that completely and you're never going to be proper or the, the client's never really truly going to be aligned with with you they're not going to buy in no you know they're not going to buy in and if they're, if they're not bought in then by definition they're not training with intent yeah exactly that's why so much so, emphasis in, in team sports is put on kind of like the the team atmosphere like the philosophy of the team isn't it because if players buy into the philosophy of the team like the ethos or whatever that environment they're in if they buy into that like at the base level the, the program doesn't really matter does it because like yeah. they're going to get better because they buy in and they believe it that it's yeah. the best thing for them yeah i mean like there are so many things that go into achieving a specific outcome um it's not just the training program like you said it's not just the exercises sets reps it's everything that they do outside of training as well it's how they recover you know what i mean like if going back to the you know the prop forward if they do need to put on some size all right, you could maybe use exercises and protocols to to encourage muscle growth. But if they're sleep shit and they're not eating enough calories, they're not going to gain size. Yeah. So, that you know, it's also living with intent. You know what I mean? Like the, their lifestyle outside the gym, their nutrition, all of that, you know, has to has to be aligned with their training program. Um, and that's when you know you're truly bought in, when you're willing to sort of like do everything outside the gym to sort of, supplement that process um to achieve how do you how do you get people to that point like how do you get people to to understand that alignment outside of the hour you spend training them yeah it's actually become a lot easier since working with people online funnily enough because when you're working with people one-to-one you might have a chat about it um 
you know, like you, you'll give them some advice and you'll sort of like give them the information to go and apply. But if you aren't holding them accountable outside of that session, um, a lot of the times, you know, they're busy people. They've got other stuff to think about. So, you know, it's, it's one, you know, it goes in one ear and out the other. Whereas when you've got systems in place online, you can hold people accountable much better because, you know, they've got, you're not, you're not having to hold their hand through the training session. So you can sort of, I guess, shift your attention a little bit towards holding them accountable to the things that they're meant to be doing outside of the gym or outside of training uh, to supplement the entire process. So I think it's partly education. They need to know how doing, you know, this, how doing X is going to equal the outcome that they're, they're after, you know, how sleep, how getting, you know, an extra hour of sleep, you know, going to bed a bit earlier and getting off their, um, getting off of social media, know after a certain time is going to improve their their performance for the following day's workout um so it's about sort of like educating people and then being tactful in your approach and giving them time to sort of digest it and actually apply it rather than just like throwing loads of information at them telling them that like you need to overhaul your entire you know diet and lifestyle uh, because i think that can just overwhelm people so i think it's building sustainable habits one step at a time um and like you said earlier on um give them like actionable daily tasks um to fulfill so if like sleep was an issue why is sleep an issue why are you not getting eight hours of sleep on a regular basis are you sitting in front of the tv like late at night um have you got like you know thoughts constantly running through your head that are keeping you up and that way you could sort of give them uh, a, a sort of specific actionable task that can um that can you know improve that that particular thing that you're trying to improve it's interesting because how i've kind of typically approached this is is thinking about like lowest hanging fruit in a sense so mm-hmm. for a lot of people obviously they come to a, a coach a pt for the training aspect of it like the actual like the the, the sessions the the exercise side of it but I feel like that can be a useful catalyst sometimes because I think, yeah, if, if someone came to you day one and you, as say, threw at them a load of things like, cool, we're going to sort your sleep out, you're going to drink more, you're going to get protein in, you're going to go for a walk daily, you're going to get some sun, like sunlight on a daily basis, you're going to train three days a week, you're going to, like, that's a lot mm-hmm. to, to, to do. But I, I some, So the way I approach it typically with clients is I focus on the training side of it because I think if someone can build habits around consistent training, that acts almost as a catalyst for the other things. Yeah, yeah. Like if you get someone who commits to a training process for six to 12 months, in probably 90% of cases, that's also going to bring an alignment with like the lifestyle things mm-hmm. because they start to get to a point where they, and it, it can be an extent of like, as coaches, we maybe need to let people have a little bit of space to make mistakes and, and yeah. come to decisions on their own. Like if you tell them things, like if you tell them like, oh, you need to get eight hours sleep a night, you need to do this, you need to do this. Like most people aren't going to listen to that. Regardless yeah. of who you are, most people aren't, they're not going to kind of, they might listen to it and then they say in one ear, out the other. They don't pay kind of real, any kind of credence to that. But I found in terms of that, if you can get someone aligned to a training process and commit to a, a training process, like those things come more naturally. So mm-hmm. it becomes a case of like, nutrition is a good example like typically if someone commits to a training process they get to a certain point where like actually i need to start focusing on my nutrition 
and they've come yeah. to that decision on their own. Like, yes, you've kind of prompted them maybe in, in that direction, but you haven't outright gone and said, like, you need to do this because there are certain people that work with, that works with, certainly. Like, there's people that will come to you and they will follow your word to the T. They will do mm -hmm. exactly what you tell them. But there are equally probably a, a, an equal amount of people that won't and can't and yeah. don't need that as a person. I think it's also set clear expectations as well, then. As well as goals, it's like, okay, well, if you if you aren't willing to make this sacrifice, if you aren't willing to do this outside of the gym, then we you are putting a ceiling on what you can achieve in the gym. You're putting a ceiling on your performance. So I think it's setting those clear you know clear uh, expectations so that they know exactly what to expect. We probably need to be a little bit more upfront, don't we? I think as a, as an industry, like those kind to of things honest, need, yeah. needs to be there. We need to call people out on things sometimes. Yeah, rather than like, just you know, pandering to their to their wants and, and needs, you know, and, and trying to, um, I guess, I guess it's that's the difference between um, like being a salesman and, and being a coach. You know what I mean? Rather than you know telling them that they, they can achieve that, that you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. Well, no, you're not going to get there if you if you aren't willing to make this sacrifice. Something I saw recently was interesting. It, it, it was in the context of like talking with your partner your other half kind of like that sense but it's the idea of like do you need support or solutions and yeah. i think as coaches that applies as well doesn't it as clients like there, there has to be an element of like we are there to support someone provide support sort of provide like maybe uh, the, the, in a literal sense like the motivation kind of the guidance all that kind of stuff but then there's another side to it of like we are there to provide solutions that's why someone's come to us as a coach they want us to help them get to a a further point along their journey and you have to have that balance don't you if you're always supporting someone you're probably not providing the solutions they need to actually improve to an extent you're probably just kind of letting them putting them in a bit of a, a safe space to kind of be feel supported and like like someone's on their side but you're not necessarily helping them in the long term whereas equally if you're if you're all solutions based like you're going to find it very hard to keep clients because they're going to be like, wow, this guy's a bit of an asshole and doesn't care. Like all he's yeah, yeah. caring about is the training side of it. But you have to have that balance, yeah, yeah. don't you? And we pro probably too many people yeah. come at it from one one side of that that coin and, and don't maybe pay enough attention to the other side. Because at the end of the day, like people come to a coach because they want results. Like all of us want results at, in a certain yeah. level. Like motivation or whatever are kind of real transient things whereas people are actually improving that's what keeps us turning up on a kind of a daily yeah, basis yeah, is cool. actually getting the results and so if you're never providing the solutions that work towards those results as a coach and calling people out on certain things like hey you said you want to achieve this here's what you're doing that's probably not going to help you do you see like where these don't align Mm -hmm. And asking people questions, it doesn't have to be kind of an accusatory thing of like, you're not doing this, so you're not going to get these results. It's just asking yeah. people, isn't it? It's putting that question out yeah. there. It's like, cool. They probably know. Exactly. Who's eating McDonald's five days a week and thinking that's that's like that's yeah. going to help them get fitter and healthier? Like, I don't think, and this might not be a popular opinion, but I don't think people by and large are not perfectly aware of the, at least the the kind of general ideas of what they should be doing like everybody knows they should probably do a little bit of exercise everybody knows that they should maybe like walk more everybody knows that they need to eat a little bit healthier whatever that might look like yeah, i don't yeah. think anybody's under under the illusion that those things aren't 
important. It's yeah. just having that that's, guidance, having, that's that where having clear intentions, you know, makes a big difference because if they've set themselves a goal, you know, a specific goal to hit, then it makes all of those other things that they know they should be doing, it makes them relevant. You know what I mean? Like it makes like making sure that you're drinking enough water and getting enough sleep and eating enough calories it makes it relevant because they want to perform in the training session. You know, they want to they want to reach that goal. So I think that's where sort of like setting a clear setting clear intentions, you know, like sort of it it makes everything um, sort of fall into place. I'd be a huge fan of a little bit of negative reinforcement sometimes in that respect because like I think that helps people, doesn't it? Like understanding that if you don't align those things at a certain level, you're probably going to fail at reaching your goals. And yeah. Like, yeah, we, we probably should put people in a position where they win on a more often basis than they fail because that's just good for building habits and good for long-term progress. But equally, there should probably be instances where it's like, okay, I didn't do this and this is the this is the result. And that's awareness as well, isn't it? It's a little bit of awareness. So it's like, I've tried it in the past with clients, like with myself in, in that respect of like, knowing like, just keeping tabs on things like how much sleep you're getting, how much water you're getting, that kind of a jet, like daily, weekly accountability to those things. Because then you can yeah. really clearly see it, can't you? It's like, okay, cool. Last night I got five hours sleep. The training session the next day felt crap. And if you don't have, don't have that awareness, you don't always kind of add, like get one plus one equals kind of two, do you? You kind of like, yeah. you miss you miss the kind of the point of it. And you're like, oh, why is this training session feeling rubbish? Maybe my training program's not good enough, blah, blah, blah whatever exactly, it might yeah. be. And it's People like, always actually, look at it in isolation, don't they? And actually it's like, like no, you've got to take a step back and think like, cool, what's the wider picture here? Mm-hmm. And have that awareness. And it's the negative reinforcement, then, isn't it? It's kind of like saying, okay, cool. So here's what I did. Here was the the failure, the negative result of that, and like here's how I can improve that going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah so. absolutely, man. Awesome. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think we're about yeah. there, really, aren't we? Um, is there anything else you want to add in terms of this topic? I know you had sort of some notes. Is there anything else that you you feel? No, not really. Mate. To... I think we've, um... Is there anything that you wanted to dive into? Um surrounding like intent i know we've sort of like covered quite a we've covered intent in quite a general way i know something that's interesting not necessarily related to that but obviously something i've seen you doing quite a lot and something i think we'd agree on in terms of like actual training practice in terms of like having all aspects at all times and how i feel that there's definitely a relation there to to back to intent in terms of like why that's relevant so Yeah, what, why, why do you feel that that's, that's the best way to, for you to train and, and potentially why, why would you apply that with clients? So I like, I do like to use a bit more of like a concurrent style of programming. So I want people to be, you know, mobile. I want them to be stable. I want them to be strong. I want them to have a decent level of work capacity. I want them to be, you know, fast and powerful to a certain degree regardless of who they are, because some, at some point life will, you know, will demand that of you, whether you're, you know, you've got to sprint for the bus or, you know, quickly catch a ball above your head or something, whatever it is, you know what I mean? So at some point, um, you know, like it, life's going to demand that of you. And if you don't train those attributes, then you're either going to, you know, just fail or hurt yourself. 
And so I'd like people to be just generally athletic and competent in each of these different facets of fitness. Um, and so I, I do sort of like follow a bit of a, a pyramid, if you like. So first to start with mobility. So getting people to just move really well. Um, so again, just fundamental movement patterns, things like your squat, your hip hinge, your lunge, you know, a push, a pull, and rotational pattern um, and locomotion. Um, once they've sort of like practiced and understand the principles of how to perform each of those movements really well, um, and they understand how to breathe, like brace and breathe properly when they're exercising. Um, once they've built sort of an appreciable amount of like stability, um, then we can really start to build output. So like build strength, build speed, build power. Then we're going to be sort of like focusing on, um, yeah, like more output-based activities. Um, so yeah, I do like, I, I prefer to have each of those components um, to exist in the program, but at certain times, certain points of the year, depending on their goals, um, we'll just prioritize one of those um, sort of like facets of fitness, if you like. So at some points during the year, you might be pushing strength a little bit. And so everything else still exists in the program, but it takes a bit of a backseat. Um, at some points in the year, like in the, you know, like if you're working with an athlete and they need, they need to be faster, then you'll just push the volume up in their speed work and then like the sort of strength work like the, and everything else will just take a bit of a backseat. So it, yeah, it really does. Um, I, I just like having each of those components sort of exist in the program, but then you just prioritize certain ones depending on the goal. Yeah. I think it's interesting because like regardless of what you call it. So I know the common term is kind of like hybrid training or concurrent training, but it's like, it's, it's being a generalist, isn't it? It's kind of not having yeah, yeah. kind of trying to trying to hit touch on all the elements that maybe are important. And the way I like to think about it, I can't remember where I heard this first, but or I don't know, it might have even been in my own head. <laughs> but um, it's the idea of like, I don't ever want my 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 physical ability to be the thing that's holding me back in whatever I want to do. And you can extrapolate that from the athlete who wants to perform at an elite level down to yeah the individual that wants to be able to kind of play with their grandkids at, at 60 70 plus years old yeah, yeah. it's that idea of like i don't ever want my physical capacity in in any aspect to be the limiting factor and that that then calls for for probably an approach where you've got a more more concurrent more holistic more generalist like element to it where you're, you're touching on all the elements that are probably important Mm-hmm. And I think if you don't have any specific parts within that, so say you, know, you, you have you want to focus on more of like the conditioning element, you can just upregulate that and downregulate some of the other bits, and it's kind of it, it becomes very simple in that respect. And this yeah. is kind of um, a training structure talk, isn't it? Really, in terms of like overarching structure behind it, like laying the the template, the foundation, like blueprint, whatever you want to call it, to mm-hmm. training, and and what that allows you to do is very very easily. And you can go back to intent with this. You can very easily then define an intent from this because you can say like, cool, this is your goal. All we have to do is play around with these different elements to get the right balance that's going to achieve that that outcome for you whilst not sacrificing all the bits that probably can benefit you. And it comes back to that dogmatic approach, doesn't it? If you have a really dogmatic approach, it's like, cool, I'm a strength athlete. All I'm going to do is train strength. 
like you're probably mm. missing out on quite a lot of other things specifically in that context it, it, it's you maybe if you're a true like on a power lifter for example you might be doing a lot of power based or like true power training like in terms of like strength explosive, or, yeah. explosive or speed equally you're doing probably little to no traditional cardio conditioning or in more in this context work capacity stuff yeah so you're going to feel like shit most of the time guaranteed mm -hmm. like you're going to struggle to walk upstairs because your heart rate is going to spike something ridiculous and like you're just going to have no ability to recover effectively so there's a call for probably someone who is a, a a strength athlete even to be doing kind of those more work capacity elements flip side of that you have an endurance like a like a runner or a an iron man athlete who is obviously incredibly well conditioned but probably does little to no strength work like they mm -hmm. can probably barely even squat like their own body weight which if people have kind of like understanding around strength training like squatting your own body weight is not a particularly like challenging feat to get to like that's kind of like a, a base level I, i'd probably want most people to be at in in some context um so yeah it's 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 it's, it's defining that intention but also understanding that to be to be a kind of a, a human is probably makes more sense to be a little bit more of a generalist and yeah if you want to be elite at something maybe not but for everybody else that's not like the top one percent like yeah being be a generalist because just be a well-functioning human being yeah exactly everything matters at a certain yeah. extent and it doesn't mean to say that you have to go and do like five days of strength training a week it's just like sprinkle that in occasionally and mm -hmm. and and you're going to be better overall for that yeah i think like even like jumps and and, and plyometric training I, I'd, I'd want that to exist in mo most people's program at some point mm. you know what i mean like just to improve like the the resiliency and like the robustness of their connective structures if anything you know what i mean so that they don't you know rupture an achilles when they you know when their friend asks them if they want to go for a you know a 5k run on the weekend you know what i mean like just having some resiliency in all of those and, and competency in each of those different areas um i think it's just really important that it's is like, it's out, i think about like a really good example of this is the elderly population like yeah. the number one probably indicator of early death is falls and then associated injury with that mm -hmm. and the absolute easiest way to prevent falls in the elderly is to make them stronger and a little bit more powerful no yeah. that does not mean that you're doing like olympic weightlifting with them but some very basics in terms of like strength training very very low level plyometrics in terms of like landing abilities all that kind of stuff is gonna would revolutionize their like health in terms of like they're so much less likely to fall and then as a result of that mortality rate drops so yeah, yeah. better of quality of life because of it yeah so that that's yeah. a kind of like a real extreme fringe example of where this is relevant but you can extrapolate that out to, to anything along kind of a more common continuum yeah yeah and then going back to training with intent is kind of knowing how to get to that point mm. you know what i mean like what progressions do you need to get to to earn the right to be able to do something like a jump or you know some sort of you know plyometric exercise like you just mentioned it there like being able to land doing some you know like altitude drops and being able to land first um and absorb force before you then progress to doing a jump or a you know some some form of plyometrics um so it's, it's understanding the process it's understanding how to get there and then 
yeah, training with intent to achieve that that desired outcome. It's not running before you walk and then having a process to take you from walking to running. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of where it comes down. It's like you, you need to set the foundations first. So you need to mm-hmm. learn to walk, if you like, in that context, in that example. But yeah, then yeah. you need then to think like, okay, we, we've laid these foundations and here's how I'm now going to progress on to higher things. But if I never lay the foundations and people are so quick to come into it, like, oh, I want this. And you're like, cool, this is what we're going to do. And they're like, no, don't want to do it. Yeah. It's like, well, this is probably what you need to do because like that's the stuff that's going to lay the foundation for you to then actually get to where you want. But if you say come someone so comes to you and you say, cool, like your goal, you want to achieve it in this time, let's maybe triple that time frame and like work on all the stuff that's actually going to get you there. But once we get you there, then be able to go any further than that. Because what happens is, yeah, you see it like guaranteed, I could take someone and make them a lot stronger and fitter in six weeks. And mm-hmm. by the end of that six weeks, yeah, they probably be fitter and stronger, but they'd be broken as well. Yeah. Like, absolutely broken but so like what i say is like you, the broader you build your base the taller you'll be able to build your pyramid absolutely but it's very difficult to see how all of those like when you're building your base how all of those little things are going to transpire to the to the overall like the, the desired outcome um so i think again it's just about educating the client making sure that they're informed and they understand the process no absolutely yeah i think so yeah just lastly um if you want to be found, where can people find you? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's Train with Chaz um, on Instagram. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it, mate. I've got um, a small uh, personal training studio in Wimbledon. Um, so yeah, you can just contact me on on Instagram. And uh, yeah, yeah. If anyone's based around there, it. definitely go and go and check it out. Um, once gyms open again, <laughs> whenever that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, Awesome, man. Thanks for thanks for making some time to to come on and, and chat. It's been it's been really interesting, really great great talk. No, thanks for having me, mate. Really appreciate it. Okay, guys, that's it for another episode. Thanks for listening. Check below for all the relevant links and notes from today's episode, or search for us on social media at Apex Delta Coaching. One quick thing before you go: if you're a recreational athlete or fitness enthusiast who wants to get stronger and run longer then check out the free seven-day hybrid training blueprint we've put together by following the link either down in the show notes or search for our Instagram. It's an ebook designed to help you put together the ultimate weekly training template to crush your hybrid training goals by getting stronger and running longer at the same time without any other confusion. Lastly, if you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review or let us know personally. Any and all feedback is greatly appreciated and it really helps to grow the podcast further and help more people. Thanks for listening, keep training and talk soon.